Welcome to Mile Repeats, a mini version of my Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast. I'm Nicole DeBoom, former pro athlete turned entrepreneur and podcast host. With Mile Repeats, I bring you short snippets from people who are willing to share their life lessons in the hopes that it will help us feel less alone in this crazy world. All in the time it takes for us to walk or run a mile, that's 8 to 20 minutes roughly, give or take a few hundred meters. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey! Emily Harvey. <laughs> Nicole DeBoom. Welcome to Mile Repeats. <laughs> Thank you. How are we going to keep this to 8 to 20 minutes? I We're going to talk really fast. We got to move fast. So tonight <laughs> we got a, we have a board meeting for? Running Start. Woo! Woo! We're growing the Running Start program next year by many fold. Yes. Like, um, like infinity fold. Infinity. <laughs> it's amazing. Because you know what we're all about? Helping people. Right? Yeah. Through the power of fitness. Yeah. Yeah. And looking cute. Well, that's part of it. More miles, more tacos. (laughs) So one really quick thing. um, I posted a blog you wrote today, which was so cool, which was about like your surprising journey to self-discovery in that. Why don't you share it? (laughs) Screw it. (laughs) So it's a blog that I wrote a couple years ago about my journey uh, with body image related to my prosthetic leg and it's actually interesting and I should probably write a new blog after our photo shoot that we did where I actually shot without any leg um, but it's about how I see myself as a person with a prosthetic leg and a real leg and when I got a cosmetic leg that looked real for my left side it totally freaked me out and I wore it a couple times but it just wasn't what I was comfortable seeing myself with. And so I switched back to my robot looking prosthetic leg. And you know, I think that what's really crazy is you have been an amputee most of your life. So you walked around with a prosthetic leg forever. So A, to get one that looked real seemed like a good idea right? Yeah. But you weren't used to it. And then B, to actually shoot do a photo shoot completely vulnerable without any leg. Yeah. Seems like, okay, that should be like a normal thing, but it felt really odd to you. It did, yeah. Shooting without my leg, I mean, when Nicole DeBoom is like, hey, let's do some shots without your leg, you're like, okay. And then you're like, wait a minute, I've never done this before. Um, <laughs> and then it, you were like, look what I can do. And, and you were like <laughs> doing all of these like incredible fitness activities. And everyone was like, oh my God, she's so athletic. <laughs> yeah, but it was amazing. And it was really a great opportunity to put myself out there on a different way, on a different level and really allow myself to be vulnerable. And I've had some parents who have contacted me after seeing that picture and saying, that they showed their daughter who has the same thing as me and that she saw it and she jumped up and she said, she has a little leg like me and was just so excited. And so uh, just that one post from that mother made it totally worth it and made me realize that I do need to be more comfortable with putting myself out there in that way as well, not just always with a prosthetic leg that looks awesome because it's like a robot leg. You know, but on that note, like, well, first of all, yes, you we cannot underestimate the power we have in helping other people just by simply being open, right? Yeah. Um, And we also have to step back and appreciate how lucky we are. I mean, 
you married a dude who makes prosthetic legs. Like there's people all over the world who don't have access to this, so they walk around without one. And with a Coke bottle made into a leg. Oh my gosh, I'm sure the things you know and have seen. I mean, that's common. I mean, I I haven't seen that personally, but I've heard stories about in, you know, Central America, countries like that, where they will take a a two liter pop bottle and basically put it on the end of their leg and then use a broomstick as like a peg. And so access to prosthetics and medical care in general is still, I think, a really big issue for the whole world. But there are organizations out there that are trying to help. So that's good. Well, and being someone who has a little bigger platform, a little more prolific um, in the world of, of amputee athletes, you have you have the ability to help open eyes, right? Yeah. And this year you did something really incredible. So when you were on the podcast and you did a whole episode, it was a while ago, and I believe you had just finished your first 70.3 race. Yes. And the word Ironman was sort of like in the back <laughs> of your mind. Well, here we sit, what, a year and a half later? Yeah. And you finished the Boulder Ironman. <sighs> I did, and it was... <laughs> The craziest day I've probably ever had in my life. <laughs> so um, we've got to share this story because yes. it really is too impressive. Like, we have to start with, let's just lay it out there right now. How much did you, how much under the cutoff did you finish? 48 seconds. 48 <laughs> seconds. Yes. All right, everybody. You got that? 48 seconds. 48 <laughs> Four, All right. Eight. So in my head, I'm always like, I don't know how these people get so that they're right off at the very, you know, final cutoff and like, you know, chewing it that close. Like, how do people actually do that to themselves? Right. So yeah. let's hear about how you actually do that. To how yourself. did that happen? Yeah, I should have finished. Um, given the, the heat conditions for the day, I should have finished probably about an hour faster. And my swim was great. I felt awesome. Um, I always love the swim and I get to start with the pro women so that's amazing they all take off and they're super fast um, but came out of the water faster than I had anticipated I was trying to make sure that I was holding back a little because it's a long day and then I got on the bike felt good um, it was definitely starting to get hot even that early in the morning and at mile 24 I was going down a hill and I tried to shift up and my bike wouldn't shift and I kept trying, hoping that it was going to shift, and it wouldn't. And so I was at mile 24 of 112, and I had to decide what I was going to do. And it turns out my electronic shifters had gone out because the wire had gotten pinched. And so technology. I when I was know. racing, we didn't have things <laughs> like electronic shifters. I know. And Zach talked me into it. He said it was a good idea. So, oh, but I don't he blame him. I don't blame him. No, I mean I that's decided, a quirk. That I is... know it was a total quirk, a total weird thing. And in that moment, I, I thought briefly, do I quit or do I keep going? And I thought of the story that you told me about your bike seat when you were overseas. And I said, what would Nicole do? I literally said, what would Nicole do? And I said, Nicole would find a way to do this. And so there was a lot of cussing. And I think people who rode past me thought I was really weird. And it was really annoying that they were like, you're such an inspiration. You're so amazing. Keep it up. As I'm walking up hills because I'm in my big ring on the front. Yeah. And you're saying to yourself, like, I normally would be riding up these hills. Like, I am better than this. (laughs) Yes. It was very frustrating. And 
I was trying not to get like upset so that people who are passing me and saying nice things or at least things they think are nice um, could sense it. But I got to the Love point that. where we things they think are nice. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I get, you I get know what I mean. Yeah. So th- I got to the point where people would pass me and they would be like, oh, you're so amazing. And I'd be like, what's amazing is that I've been doing this in one gear since mile 24 and in my big ring. So it's not it's not like on a, a small ring easy to pedal like I'm grinding even when I'm on the flat wow. and slight up to hill uphills um, so the bike took me longer than anticipated I broke down halfway through I got done with the first loop and I saw my coach and my amazing handler Sasha on the side of the road and I was like I was like, I got to pull over. I got to talk to you. And they're like, you're doing great. Why? Don't stop. And I, I pulled over and I like kind of started almost to like burst into tears. And I was like, I've been riding in one gear since mile 24. I just need you to tell me that I can do it again. <laughs> and so they yelled at me and told me to get back out there. And I went and did another loop and I came in off the bike. So I basically wow. rode a single speed for 88 miles. Okay, so here's some lessons. Well, first of all, let me just say that race you alluded to in Japan, my bike saddle fell off within the first 10 miles and I had to ride without a seat, but sitting on spikes, you know? Um, There are ways to get through anything. You just might endure a little physical pain. Yes. Right? Yes. So so here you go, you're pushing through, and we've also learned that community... you know how to communicate well because you came up to the people who care about you and you told them exactly what you need. (laughs) How cool is that? If you didn't have those kinds of communication skills, you might not have gotten out there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, And to have a support crew, is so important amazing you can't yes. do an event like an iron man you can't even train for it without having buy-in from pretty much everybody you know absolutely yep. yeah and my coach flew in from idaho to be there and um yeah so so what happens next so i get off the bike and my legs are exhausted because of what i had just done um were and, you did you have like abrasions and stuff um not from the bike so i okay. usually get those when i run mm-hmm. so Got that it. comes later Um, Okay, (laughs) (laughs) but I get off the bike and I decided to start out just walking a little bit because it was so hot and I was overheating and just my legs were shot from biking in the single speed uh, or the single gear. And so I walked for a little while and my handler carried my running leg for me and walked with me. And then about a mile and a half in, I switched to my running leg. And that's allowed. Yeah. So uh, how and many had, other people with disabilities were in the race? Um, I think there were four others, okay. all men. Oh. Um, and only two of us finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm often the only female. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, sometimes there's one or two others. But yeah, in so the let's Iron use distance, this. Let's yeah. use this for inspiration, you know? Let's get more women out there. Yes, who absolutely. Even in the, in the 70.3 distance, I'm often the only woman wow, in the okay. PC division. Um, so the run was just survival. Um, my watch died at mile nine, so I actually had no idea where I was at with oh, time. Normally I'd be like, that's a good thing, but uh-uh. not when you're cutting uh-uh. it close. <laughs> so I ended up um, running with a guy who we kept leapfrogging, and his name is Steve, and he became my little my like running angel, and um, his watch was working, so he at least knew what time of day it was, and we could ask people, you know, what time is it? And 
we just kept moving forward, kept moving forward, got to where we thought we were about to come to the finish line, but they make you do a whole nother loop out. And I'm pretty sure that the run course was long at Boulder this year, um, which is We better check fine, on that. <laughs> except when you're so close to not finishing on time. Uh-huh. Um, but we went back out, did the extra little loop, got back in. Next thing I know, my coach is flying around the corner in the opposite direction, yelling at me that I have to sprint or I'm not going to finish on time. And why? So why were you not, but the other guy with you could? Because he had started later. Since I started with the pro women, I had to finish yeah. by 11, 10 p.m. And he had another 30 or 40 minutes um, because of the wave he started in. And so he was, my coach was like, leave him! You gotta sprint! <laughs> and so I just like... And wait, how far out were you now? I was probably like less than a quarter mile. So not super long, but long enough to think he was crazy to think that I could do anything faster. Right. Um, But I did, and I sprinted. I sprinted right past Mike Riley. I almost ran him over. I didn't even know he was there until I watched the video later. Um, And it was not the finish that I had envisioned because I had envisioned going really slow and high-fiving everybody. And it was just, I had to beat the clock. You know... And you did. And I did. And and those finish line photos are absolutely incredible. <laughs> They're horrible. They are. <laughs> well, maybe the finish line once I didn't see, but right after, I mean, it's this look of like delirium. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so you did it though. Yeah. And you did it in grand style. Like <laughs> nobody does their first Ironman with that many issues. Yeah. It was... Uh it was very exciting. Oh, my, it was very exciting. That's a word that we like to use instead of the word stress. We <laughs> yes. always change it to the word excitement, yes. right? So, you know, here you are a few months later. Uh, recovered? Um, recovering. Recovering still, as should be. I <laughs> yes. mean, Iron Man's take a lot out of you. Um, are you planning on doing another one? Yeah. <gasps> Which one? I don't know yet. Uh, can you qualify for Kona at some of these, you know, in your um, division? Yeah, so they have a they have a lottery actually, mm. and they draw five names out of a hat every year for people to go to Kona, and you have to have done you have to have finished a seventy point three within a certain time frame to then be able to go once your name is drawn. Um, so I won't say that it's not in my thoughts, but I haven't talked to my coach about anything yet. So um, it's a possibility. There's only I think five or six female amputees who have done Kona, so it would be something pretty epic (laughs) it would be epic it would be barrier breaking and it would show again so many more people who think they can't what for whatever reason they're you know whatever barrier they think they have yeah some are real some are in our minds um that they can yes and sometimes you have a little pain like my when I say I'm still recovering, it's mostly from running because my left leg, because of my mechanics of running are so different. I'm still having issues with my left hip, Got but it. it's getting better. So I can run like 30 minutes now. So that's good. Good. But, um, Take yeah. your time. I mean, we definitely need to get you in shape for January of 2019. Yes. Because there's a very important thing that you're doing. There is a very important thing. So, you know, I generally don't like to take pride in talking people into doing things, but I'm <laughs> going to take pride in this because um, we're going to go on a surf retreat together. We are. It's going to be epic. It is going to be <laughs> 
absolutely life-changing yes i cannot wait to see what happens with you emily harvey when you learn to surf are you going to become a surfer girl or what i don't know i'm actually i actually made an appointment to see my husband zach tomorrow to work on my leg that he thinks will be best for surfing oh great so um tell me a little bit about how it works do you surf without a prosthetic leg i think i'll surf with a prosthetic leg um just having the two points of contact on the board seems yeah. like it'll be better but i don't know i went stand up paddleboarding and ended up taking my leg off and just standing uneven on the paddleboard <laughs> so wow so um, i don't know we'll, we'll see what which, happens which uh which leg is in the front for you um i don't know we're gonna have to after this we're gonna do some little like burpee things where we <laughs> jump up and we're gonna know immediately which <laughs> okay. foot if you're at what they call the goofy foot i forget which side that is <laughs> um so this is gonna be amazing truly um i think we're gonna have to do like a whole documentary on it absolutely <laughs> awesome well emily we are like hitting the end of our mile repeat here do you have anything else you want to share before we go into our Final little piece of advice. Oh, and I meant to think about that before. Oh, yeah, good. Well, um, no. All right, then we're doing good. it. All right, let's, let's, let's nail it. it. Okay, then. Hello for <laughs> our final nugget here. If you could give our listeners one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Uh, this time, I'm going to say that it's to surround yourself with people who support you fully and believe in you and want to build you up and not break you down love it (laughs) well good then i'm glad i'm going to take that advice as well and i'm so glad you're here tonight to be that for me well thank you thanks (laughs) awesome surf's up (laughs) hang 10 (laughs) i don't know the right we're so cool (laughs) we're not cool (laughs) 